oh, CrossFit, that must keep you in business. And I say, you want to know what actually keeps me in business? People who are usually overweight and unhealthy and don't move. That's actually what keeps us all in business as physicians. It's not the CrossFitters that are keeping me in business. And I, you know, and another thing that I usually say with that too is that, you know, yeah, okay, you have a rotator cuff problem or a herniated disc. And not that those are insignificant, but those are problems of fitness. And I'd much rather deal with a problem of fitness than a problem of sickness. This is episode number 132 with Dr. Amy West. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. In this episode of Pursuing Health, I sit down with Dr. Amy West, who is a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician, also known as a physiatrist. Dr. West is also a CrossFit level one trainer and an active participant in the CrossFit health movement. A little bit more background about Dr. West. She's a graduate of Harvard Medical School, and she completed her residency training in physical medicine and rehabilitation at the Harvard-affiliated Spalding Rehab Hospital. During her time in medical school, she also earned her master's of education. We had the opportunity to sit down at the recent Winter Classic here in Cleveland, Ohio, to talk about what exactly she does as a physiatrist, some of the parallels between physiatry and CrossFit, and how she explains CrossFit to some of her more critical colleagues. Now, I know two weeks ago I teased a big announcement here in this episode, but hopefully you can hang on a little bit longer. All good things take time, right? Stay tuned for more news very, very soon. Before we get into the episode, this is also a reminder that although I am now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So let's get started with the episode. So welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm very excited to be here with Dr. Amy West. Thank you for joining me. No problem. Um, and you um, are a doctor of physical medicine and rehabilitation and a sports medicine physician. That is true. Otherwise known as a physiatrist, which is not a word that you hear a lot. So That is true. I'm excited to learn more. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that um, maybe we could start. I also, as I was learning more about you, realized that medicine was sort of a second career and that's not how you started out in school. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about what you did before medicine? Yeah. So uh, before I ever thought I was going to be in medicine, I worked in television production and uh, very different. Yes. Very different. (laughs) Um, I was involved in editing like videos. Uh, I was an audio engineer. Okay. I worked in MTV for a little bit. I was overseas at the BBC in London for a little bit. Wow. Working on different uh, television shows That's and things so like cool. that. So it was fun. Any shows on MTV that we would remember? Uh, I don't know if this is before your time, but a show called TRL. Of I don't course. know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. We so watch that after school every day. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I did do some work on that. Um, and, I, and I worked another music television show in, in London that was called Top of the Pop Saturday, which is cool. kind of an institution there. I think it recently went off the air, but it was on the air for like 50 years. I think it was a long time. So cool. <laughs> so Who would have guessed? Worked with lots of celebrities who were cranky and stuff. So <laughs> got out of that. <laughs> yeah. So what was, I mean, that's obviously a big sort of 180 switch. Yep. What were some of the driving factors that made you think, wow, maybe I want to go into medicine instead? Yeah, well, you know, I was 
Well, one, the working television industry, it's it's kind of episodic. So you're kind mm-hmm. of always bouncing from thing to thing to thing, which was like, nah, not, not really my, my thing. Mm-hmm. But um, also... I just felt I really wasn't doing anything for the the greater good of the world, okay. <laughs> you know. So you know, I was worried about, uh, you know, what uh, colors that should be in Jennifer Lopez's dressing room, rather than <laughs> like what is actually important in the, in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, I I've always liked school and mm-hmm. doing nerdy things, and mm-hmm. I you know I figured if you have the ability to do those things and understand them, then you should probably be like harnessing that for. Mm-hmm for some good reason okay. <laughs> for some good cause you know so i i sort of started looking into medical things and uh-huh. sort of reading about it and saying hmm, i think i'd like to do that so um then i went back to school and did all the courses you need for that and, mm-hmm. and sort of went back to school that way okay um and then in medical school mm-hmm. obviously i don't know in my experience we did not get a lot of education about movement in medical school. I think nope. I remember maybe one half day where we learned about cardiac rehab mm-hmm. and that's about it. Yep. So I'm curious <laughs> as to how you, I mean, it's hard. I think it's hard to find out about PM&R even as a med student and yeah. what's involved. And so how did you, like, did you know you want to do that from the beginning or how did you end up down that path? So I definitely did not know anything about it before I, before okay. I discovered it. And actually, so, you know, I went, I went to med school at Harvard and they have a, a very large, rehab institution associated with the med school Mm -hmm. but it's kind of a big secret so um i had to sort of i sort of actively tried to find find out about it um which is crazy right because it's like movement is so important for our health exactly why do we keep it a secret (laughs) yeah i mean like you know so i was always big into sports and i i started thinking like how can i do sports medicine but Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily want to operate i want to be a surgeon so Mm -hmm. how do i do that and actually there was a lifestyle medicine interest group at our med school um and the person who was in charge of that i kind of said oh i like kind of what you're talking about Mm -hmm. I'm interested in doing sports medicine. I don't think I want to necessarily do surgery. And she said, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll introduce you to the the people over at Spalding who are doing that. So I didn't find out about them really through school or through our curriculum. It was sort of an extracurricular thing that I kind of stumbled upon. Um, And then I did some rotations over at Spalding. And just coincidentally, I, I was rotating there. Um, right at the time of the Boston Marathon bombings, and we had started getting all of those patients who had lost limbs in in the bombing. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a incredible experience to be mm-hmm. working with those people and mm-hmm. um, seeing the role of physiatry in that in that setting mm-hmm. um, you know post-acute care but really getting people functional again mm-hmm. so that's why I, I I just gravitated towards towards it at that point and I like I was sad but yeah. I was pretty late into <laughs> I, I had I did an education degree while I was in med school oh and so while I was doing that is when I sort of had extra time okay to kind of so did you take extra time in med school to like an extra year or do you yeah how did that fit in yeah so it was right after um after after my third year okay um so i was like so i did an, uh, an ed degree and um and people are like well why'd you do that but as physicians we're educators anyway yeah. like whether you want to be or not physician <laughs> means teacher or like dose right comes from the latin and greek i don't know it comes from <laughs> yeah. the word for teacher i know yeah. that yeah i mean you're, so you're constantly educating <laughs> yes people anyway but also um with my video background i was able to kind of experiment with some things in that way that's really cool um and then also you know you're teaching the people underneath you like the mm-hmm. other medical professionals and most of the people in positions uh, who are in charge of, of medical education have no formal education background so mm-hmm. um it was you know just a way to kind of look further into that that's amazing you said you were into sports did you play sports growing up or what were you know. interested in i played anything and everything okay. as a kid um i guess 
like basketball and softball were my main main sports okay. but I grew up with an older brother who you know used me as a target for anything <laughs> <laughs> so I you know got into sports that way um and I just you know I, and then I played uh you know I played sort of semi-professional softball in Europe for a little bit and and you know it was fun but it's Very the kind cool. of thing is I you know you finish that you play team sports your whole life yes. and then you're kind of like all right well now what and like the world right. is sort of saying okay we'll get on the treadmill that's what adult exercise is now mm-hmm. and I was like I hate this I felt you the know? exact same way it's like you know you should be doing something different but you can't really figure it out until I don't know for me until I found CrossFit right how did you find CrossFit so uh where Harvard's med school is it's very close to like the Fenway area in mm-hmm. Boston and the original CrossFit Fenway which is now called something else but CrossFit Fenway was, was in was you yeah, have to pass by it to get mm-hmm. to school and I used to see them doing stuff and I want to do that and then I remember seeing the games on TV whatever year that was 2012 mm-hmm. you probably in it at that time that was when yeah 2012 was one of the last years I was in it yeah so I think I saw like saw you guys doing stuff and mm-hmm. I was like I feel like I could do that mm-hmm but I, I want to find out more. So yeah. I, I kind of got I started and I started, you know, I was doing like three classes a week and then it was four classes a week. And then I just gave up the other gym membership I was doing and it was full time. And awesome. I haven't looked back. That's awesome. What, um, so what year in med school were you when you started? Um, I think it was that year that I was doing my school of ed stuff or just at the end of my third okay. year. Yeah. It's a good time to get into it. Yeah. At that point, were there other classmates who were doing CrossFit or is it something that ever came up in conversation as you were going through like your rotations or classes no it was uh at the time because crossfit in general at that time was kind of a a newer mm-hmm. thing certainly on the east coast so no i didn't know any people were doing it. i think some dental students were doing it because they had more time than we did mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were they were i think a couple of them were into it at that point but okay. yeah so you were kind of on your own then you would- oh yeah I felt like a lot of times in med school, it was like the secret life. <laughs> like yeah. You go and study and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and be with other people. It's nice also to yeah. be with other people who are not just in your same situation, studying medicine or doing mm-hmm. the same thing and be able to interact with people from all different walks of life. I think it's very refreshing when yeah. you're in such an intense program. Yeah. It's like you need to see other people and be involved in other things and mm-hmm. like get your, you know, just be able to separate yourself from that situation for a little bit. So mm-hmm. that was... Uh, it, it was, it you know, I think um, right around that time, Glassman had appeared at, at the, the Harvard School of Divinity and sort of yeah. saying that, you know, CrossFit in a way is kind of like a church in mm-hmm. that sense that, you know, you, you find a community of people, you're interested in things going on in their lives, you go to their weddings, you know, mm-hmm. you're sort of always involved in other people's business, but it, it's like a nice, it's a nice way to to experience other people outside of work mm-hmm. and school and all that. So mm-hmm. it was, it was cool. That's really cool. So, so it sounds like this sort of happened around the same time. You're starting CrossFit. You're deciding that you're going to do PM&R. Mm-hmm. Um, how, well, first, can you explain what PM&R is? Uh, PM&R. So PM&R is, um, so it stands for Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. So it's mm-hmm. PM&R, not PMR. It's a disease. <laughs> it's something different. Uh, PM&R, Physical Medicine Rehabilitation, also known as physiatry, also known as physiatry, depending on what part of the country you're in. <laughs> so that's part of the thing that's confusing is that we have multiple names. Um, but what we are, we're do- doctors of function, essentially. So um, we treat physical manifestations of disease processes. So we don't necessarily treat the primary disease. So whether that's 
I usually use the example of cancer. So like I don't prescribe chemotherapy. I'm not um, treating the cancer process. Uh, leave that to the oncologist. Mm-hmm. But the things that I would treat are sort of how those, how the cancer and the chemo affect your body. So whether it's neuropathy, um, are you getting to and from the bathroom? Are you mm-hmm. walking? You know, things like that. Uh, pain, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we treat injuries of all kinds. So things that are temporary, like sports injuries. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I do full time. Uh, but we also treat uh, injuries that are more permanent. So traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, uh, sequelae of stroke, cerebral palsy, things like that. So um, we treat uh, how those those processes affect the physical and cognitive function of mm-hmm. people. And then how does physiatry work with like physical therapists and occupational therapists? Like what is the relationship like or from a patient's perspective? Mm-hmm. Like what are the different roles of their team? Yeah, so that's kind of the, that's another thing I like about physiatry is that we're, we're very much team players. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of, as physiatrists, we're kind of only as good as the staff around us as mm-hmm. far as like therapists are concerned. So um, so we all work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sort of manage the medical end of things and we sort of prescribe therapy mm-hmm. and we, so the physical therapists are there with the patients doing the therapy mm-hmm. we prescribe it we sort of do uh, some long-term rehabilitation and discharge planning mm-hmm. um, we treat all the medical things certainly on an inpatient side we're kind of handling the medical issues but outpatient we're sort of treating um, the, those things kind of more um, from the medical standpoint whereas the mm-hmm. therapists are kind of doing the hands-on like day-to-day stuff mm-hmm. so we kind of we work together though we're kind of always bouncing ideas off of each other mm-hmm. and, and working together it seems like a good group to work with and yeah, someone it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty <laughs> cool it's a pretty cool scene yeah <laughs> i know i love all of the physical therapists that i know and um yeah. and it's something where i think like if you're not in physiatry like most other physicians have no idea about movement so like Ew. you know we may prescribe physical therapy but most people have no concept of like what's happening mm-hmm. when you send someone or, you know, yeah. refer someone to a physical therapist. And so yeah. it has to be cool to be able to like, you know, be more hands on and see what's actually happening with the patient. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, most physical therapy <laughs> prescriptions that are coming from non-physiatrists say a Valentreat, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whereas ours tend to be, if anything, a little bit overly verbose, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, but um, also, you know, but this is something that even in the physiology role, you know, I, I, in uh, some of the talks I give, I talk about what what does good movement mean, you mm-hmm. know, and what are the principles of good movement? And sometimes people have a hard time articulating that, physiatrists, physical therapists included, mm-hmm. um, because we focus a lot on, is this person strong? Um, you know, are they, um, you know, do they pass these sort of strength tests? But mm-hmm. we don't look at that necessarily from a more kind of central nervous system mm-hmm. standpoint of like how is this person w- moving what is the kind of coordination and neuromuscular involvement um in, in certain tasks so mm-hmm. that's even in physiatry that's a bit of a novel concept surprisingly <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah so when you are assessing a patient what are some of the things that you're looking at from a physical or movement perspective um so you know something i, I commonly see for example would be like People come in with back pain. <laughs> it's uh, sort of uh, something we see quite a bit. And you know, first, firstly, is you know, you're looking at someone's like body habitus and mm-hmm. sort of like that. Play- it's you know, a lot of times the elephant in the room. You know, right. it's like, okay, so yeah, you're you're in pain, you're having pain with certain things, but you know, every, for every uh, you know ten pounds you lose, the amount mm-hmm. of pressure that goes through your joints is reduced by I forgot the, the number, but yeah. you know, significantly. Yeah. So that's part of it is, you know, looking at what's this person doing 
kind of outside of moving, you know, like mm-hmm. what are they eating, all that stuff, which unfortunately we don't have a ton of time as physicians to talk about, right. but you know, it's like something like another box to check. Um, and then, we, you know, you're sort of looking at a lot, a lot, oftentimes when people are coming in with like a radiculopathy, so like herniated discs in your back, it's, it's not, uh, people will say, well, what, you know, I was like lifting my kid up mm-hmm. and I felt pain or I was putting something in the dishwasher mm-hmm. and like now I'm having all this pain. Right. And, um, the way that I, I kind of see it is that, you know, these, these things are happening. There's not just an instant where it happens. It's, mm-hmm. it's chronic, uh, faulty movement patterns mm-hmm. that lead to degeneration and subsequently, you know, a herniation or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so I'm looking at a, like, how is this person experiencing their symptoms and what kind of things are they doing on a day-to-day basis as far as like lifting techniques mm-hmm. or like, you know, a lot of times people like bending over and like cleaning the floor or something mm-hmm. like that. I just had someone with that. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at to see, you know, how are they, how are they moving? Have they ever been taught to move? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what kind of things in their day-to-day life, like what, what a, sort of functionally, what do they have to do during a day to kind of either make a living or take care of their family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, and then how can we adjust that? So that's usually. It seems like physiatry takes a much better look at root causes of problems and trying to address yeah. those. Whereas like I think of from sort of a family medicine perspective, the standard of care would be like someone comes in with back pain maybe treat them with NSAIDs and muscle relaxers and like maybe if you're really on top of it you refer them to physical therapy after Mm -hmm. they're feeling better to like work through some of those movement patterns but more often than not they're not actually even getting to the physical therapy part right and then they're going to come in with the same problem again later on if the root cause isn't fixed but Mm -hmm. it seems like you at least from your training you have a much better lens for being able to assess that and and treat it yeah i mean so like functional status is like it's kind of one of our vital signs as Mm -hmm. physiatrists we're always looking at you know what is what is your home setup what is what what are you doing day to day you know in order to to function society and how do we optimize that so Mm -hmm. you know putting a patch on something like you know giving someone you know muscle relaxants is going to help for like a little bit but like you know, it's definitely going to creep back into their life. So, you know, we do a little bit of that too, but, mm-hmm. um, but we kind of consider that other stuff as well. Right. And, um, I know you also talk a lot, like you, like you said, you're really looking at really functionality, like mm-hmm. how are people moving and how are they going to be able to do the things that they need to do in life? Yeah. So I'm curious, it sounds like you started CrossFit really just for your own health and yeah. to work out and have fun. And mm-hmm. then at what point did you start to realize Hey, maybe what I'm doing in the CrossFit gym and what I'm doing in medicine have a lot in common. It was pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. Within a couple of months of me doing both, I it was it's almost like almost frustrating in the sense because I was involved in these two activities that were so similar mm-hmm. and had so so many of the same common goals mm-hmm. of of function. So, um, and it's really been a journey over the past, you know. Uh, seven years of, mm-hmm. of trying to make the two communities aware of each other yeah <laughs> so um it's it's been interesting um because a lot of the principles that i was learning about in lectures are things that were sort of reinforced in the gym mm-hmm. and i'd say well, these two things should be on the same page right you know <laughs> we're, we're talking doing the, about same the same thing. thing we're just going in parallel directions yeah so i'm still working on that yeah. i'm still working on getting the two sides to see each other but what are some of the ways that you have tried to do that or how do you handle that situation? Like say you're sitting in a lecture and you're seeing the similarity. Like how do you try to introduce that to your colleagues? Uh, 
Well, it takes a lot of um, creative phrasing. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, unfortunately, the word CrossFit in the medical community can often turn people off right away. Mm -hmm. And usually those are people who have very little understanding of what it is. Um, But um, so it's, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of times it's about establishing the goals. So if someone's talking about, you know, functional status and how can we improve that in our patients, Mm -hmm. you say, well, I know a way (laughs) Um, and sort of introducing it, like, you know, kind of getting them to agree with the principles of CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of like you sneak in the back door. Oh, by the way, this is being done in CrossFit (laughs) affiliates all around the world. Yeah. So, you know, I gave, I gave a talk at one of our conferences not that long ago and about, about that exact thing, improving Mm -hmm. functional movement through functional fitness and and improving pain through functional Mm -hmm. fitness. And, you know, so, at the end, me, people were asking me, like, where can we go to get this <laughs> to get this kind of training? And yeah. I was like, well, funny you should ask. And that's sort of... So it's been a lot of, like, creative, like, sneaking it in yeah. the back door kind of thing. Did you notice that people were receptive to it when you did that? If you then, like, used the word CrossFit at the end when they asked that question, mm-hmm. were they maybe more open to... Yes, they're more open to it that way. Um, but even uh, certainly, like, up front, mm-hmm. like, saying the word is, like... Pfft, not good um but sneaking in the back door people are a little more receptive or, or a little more more likely to say oh wait a second in crossfit i thought they did this mm-hmm. it's like, oh, actually they do that you yeah. know so um it's 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 more well received that way yeah but there's still like a stigma that's attached to it for sure it's so interesting like how strong the stigma is and how much um how much of it is just misunderstanding like i think mm-hmm. anyone who sits through the CrossFit level one basic lectures, like what is CrossFit? What is fitness? Mm -hmm. Like no one's really going to disagree with any of the stuff they're talking about. Right. right? It's really basic principles. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the misunderstanding just comes from these experiences or like preconceived notions about what CrossFit is Mm -hmm. and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course there's a lot of different expressions of CrossFit out in the world and depending on how you're exposed to it first you may you know jump to certain conclusions right I think it's like that about a lot of things in life like people love to label things and you know label them as good or bad and Mm -hmm. not really learn the true meaning behind them so yeah I mean you know people say well I went you know I went to a CrossFit gym and I didn't Mm -hmm. like it and it's like yeah there there you know maybe there are some coaches that aren't great there are some physicians aren't that great right therapists aren't that great but yeah, hairdressers that are not great. <laughs> yeah. There's like you anything. don't like write off the whole thing, yeah. you know, as, as because of that. Um, so yeah, I've I've been you know working on combating those things, mm-hmm. but then also and then you know a lot of t- in medicine they want where's the evidence, you know, mm-hmm. where's the scientific evidence, um, and that's that's an evolving thing as well. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a lot of evidence supporting the principles of mm-hmm. CrossFit. So you say, well, if they support high intensity functional movement then you kind of are supporting CrossFit. You know, right. it's like we're all kind of right. on the same page here. So <laughs> Right. It's just when you wrap it up and call it something, it's it seems like it's different. Right. Um what do you well it's kind of similar, I think, about um like in functional medicine where I think people have a lot of strong opinions when they hear that word because mm-hmm. they think of, you know, what it may or may not be in different ways they've seen it practiced. But right. when you like back up and look at the principles, it's like, well what is functional medicine it's trying to get to the root cause of disease like most people are gonna say that's probably a good idea yeah, probably, you know yeah, that makes sense <laughs> but then there's a lot of different ways implemented that people may or may not agree with right um 
What do you say, I mean, I get this reaction all the time when CrossFit comes up in conversation and I'm around other physicians, then they're immediately saying like, oh, that's, you know, this guy was in with an injury the other day from CrossFit or that's where I get all my business from as uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Like, what do you yes. say when doctors respond like that? So I, I am employed by an orthopedic uh, surgery, mm-hmm. you know, department. So I, I've heard that before oh that keeps they say oh crossfit that must keep you in business mm. and i say you want to know what actually keeps me in business people who are usually overweight mm-hmm. and unhealthy mm-hmm. and don't move that's actually what keeps us all in business as physicians it's not the crossfitters that are keeping me in business and i you know and another thing that i usually say with that too is that you know yeah okay you have a rotator cuff problem or a herniated disc and not that those are insignificant but those are problems of fitness mm-hmm. And I'd much rather deal with a problem of fitness than a problem with sickness. Mm-hmm. So I'd much rather treat your rotator cuff than worry about your diabetes and your end-stage renal disease and your hypertension, because that's much harder and right. much more uh, much more grave situation than you know doing some rehab for your shoulder. So I, that's those are usually the two things I say with, right. to that. It's a great perspective. <laughs> and you don't. I mean, when you think about other things that people do for exercise, like no one's saying. Like, oh, you're running? Like, that's keeping all the orthopedic doctors in oh, yeah. business. Like, you should stop running. No one says that. Yeah. But running has tons of injuries. And the injury rate in running is far greater than any any yeah. research study. It's like three times as high as, as CrossFit's been recorded. So. Right. And, and it's also really, from a rehab perspective, which is really kind of frustrating, is that a lot of the principles of CrossFit are being used as rehabilitation protocols, actually. Mm-hmm. So the same thing you're saying, telling me causes injury is those principles you're using being used to prevent injury mm-hmm. hmm. interesting yeah so that's, that's something's not adding up yeah so that's yeah. another kind of one of those things where you're right. like I, I don't know if this makes sense but again I usually kind of take a step back and think about this is probably someone who doesn't really understand what CrossFit is and this is like mm-hmm. their first knee-jerk reaction to yep. what they're gonna say and most of the time if you can like educate them they'll yeah they'll come around to it yeah and show, you know showing the evidence and and sort of you know what evidence is there and then you know there's this whole thing about what you know the evidence the quality of it and mm-hmm. who's sponsoring it and all that mm-hmm. so it's a little hard to 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 talk about it without seem, seeming like a conspiracy theorist but um, right right <laughs> but, but it's, it's like it's fact you know it's true yeah right? it's unfortunately the world we live in yeah um okay so I've talked about this on other podcasts, mm-hmm. but we have sort of this, you know, we have a, a medical system that takes care of people when they're like acutely injured or acutely ill, kind of rehabs them back to a well, as we talked right. about in yeah. our sick, well, fit mm-hmm. continuum. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the other hand, we have CrossFit, which is doing a great job of helping people get fit. Right. But it seems like there's lots of opportunities to make this sort of one continuum, like where you mm-hmm. could go from an acute setting to an you know an outpatient rehab setting, then to a crossroad affiliate where you can right. be in sort of a baseline maintenance stage mm-hmm. of maintaining your health and your fitness. Yeah, have you seen that happening anywhere, or do you see opportunities for us to like take advantage and, yeah. and create a better um, I don't know a better bridge? Yeah, so I mean that's another another thing that. <laughs> you know, coming from a, a rehab perspective where I see so much opportunity for it and say, wouldn't this be great if we just got these things in place? But mm-hmm. I think 
particularly in the adaptive sports population. So mm-hmm. people with mm-hmm. like, you know, wheelchair athletes or people who are post acute rehab from whatever, a traumatic brain injury or even, you know, kids with cerebral palsy, things mm-hmm. like that. A lot of times, you know, th- their PT days run out. Mm-hmm. We discharge them home, you know, and they've done all the PT that they're going to do. And then, you know, they're, they're looking for something else. And it's like, well, you know, I, I've, I've seen, you know, there are multiple adaptive um, po- uh, sport, mm-hmm. uh, you know, CrossFit organizations that are kind of popping up all over the mm-hmm. place. But, um, you know, I've seen those programs work out really well and, and not just, you know, providing the functional training, but also mm-hmm. pro- providing a community and, That's huge. Um, you know, getting and also preventing chronic disease in those populations because it happens probably even higher rate than it mm-hmm. does in, in sort of, you know, so-called able-bodied people. So um, being able to kind of bridge that gap uh, is is pretty cool when you when you see it, in you know, in motion. But mm-hmm. it, as far as like, you know, it's, it, it's connecting uh, you know, I think big hospital systems in general are like a little weary of connecting themselves to sure. like a CrossFit. But if you, you know, it's the kind of thing if you say, I'm doing a, a exercise class for people with spinal cord injury, everyone's like, yay. And then you say, I'm doing an exercise, I'm doing a CrossFit class for people with spinal cord injury, everyone's like, that's dangerous, don't do it. And you're like, it's the same. We're talking about the same thing, people. Like, right, you know, it's like, like semantics. Yeah. So again, it's like one of those like, let's talk about CrossFit without talking about it kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, what is your practice like now and how do you incorporate CrossFit or CrossFit principles with your patients? Yeah. So I'm, um, so I'm like an, I'm a non-operative sports medicine physician. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm essentially like an orthopedic surgeon without the surgery part. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see a lot of sports injuries, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and, and injuries, you know, people, like I said, people who are picking something up out of the dishwasher and, and get hurt. So that's a great opportunity with that. Um, to kind of talk about movement a little mm-hmm. bit and kind of say, well, you know, maybe the way you're moving is what's caused this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, uh, as far as like the sports injuries go, um, I try, I've actually like in my, where I'm working, I've, I've worked to kind of get into the gyms and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, talk with pe- the athletes there to kind of, like, kind of create that bridge sort of if they have any kind of, you know, injury mm-hmm. or whatever, I can treat that. Um, but <laughs> it's interesting. So when I first started this job, not that long ago, I we didn't have our like white coats in yet, mm-hmm. so I I and it was like summertime, so yeah. I was wearing a lot of like sleeveless shirts. Yeah, <laughs> and, and from that, I at least two three people a day, you know, patients be like, "What do you do?" Yeah, because I want to do that, and then that presented a great opportunity for me. Like, oh, awesome. by the way, free advertising. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and but it's like, and I and I don't know if this has happened to you, but as as a woman. Mm-hmm having people respect your opinion certainly in in a orthopedic setting yes, um, for sure. it's i my arms get me more respect than my white coat does usually it's so crazy. um it's kind of an interesting um yeah. people just kind of assume that you know what you're talking about <laughs> so, right. right um i've it's been an interesting kind of learning experience in, in that sense uh, well how powerful it is to practice what you preach you know right. like if you're if you don't look fit or you're, you know, overweight and you're trying to tell people to eat better and yeah. exercise, like how much are they going to trust you? you right. Know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I found some boxes that are kind of near where I work and, um, and a lot of like, uh, healthcare professionals from the hospital work, go to that box. And it's like, we're working on creating something like mm-hmm. let's get a, a physician day or like a healthcare worker day, mm-hmm. or let's kind of, you know, try to set up a class for, um, you know, older people at the gym nearby. Like yeah. there's a lot of opportunities available and it's just a matter of finding people who are interested and in getting like the organization behind it. But 
Um, but yeah, so it, it, I'm always trying to find new ways to kind of weave it in mm-hmm. and bring it up. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so. For sure. How about in working? I know you're doing work with residents and mm-hmm. education too. Yeah. So is that something that you talk about with residents or how do you introduce it in that setting? Yeah. So, I mean, well, when I was a resident, I, you know, I would talk about it a lot with my attendings because, mm-hmm. and you know, at the, when I first started residency, they had all these ideas that were false. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of started talking about it and talking about it and, um, actually, one of uh, one of my mentors in med school, um, Dana Kotler, who she's who was big into cycling and stuff, mm-hmm. and and I over time convinced her to start going. <laughs> so she started going, and like and she got her mom involved, who's oh, cool. in her seventies. I think she just turned seventy. Um, and now this woman is like a beast. She is <laughs> like, and she you know she'll talk to me about like, oh, I you know I, I'm doing CrossFit and it's helping me like doing my laundry. It's helping me pick up my grandkids. And I'm like, Amazing. you're like a commercial for <laughs> right. this. You're literally no can't make this stuff you up. can't make this stuff up so and like all you know just at her at her birthday party recently and her mm-hmm. and all her friends were like this woman's incredible and <laughs> you know and and it's like stuff like that so you kind of kind of help people i kind of like slowly turn the tide mm-hmm. where i did my residency so now i'm in a new location with new people so i'm trying to like i'm starting from square one again trying mm-hmm. to get, get people like first let's talk about what it's not mm-hmm. and then we'll start getting you moving yep. and then we'll kind of you know get you on board so like yep. you know it's it's a fresh start and i'm still working on it but yep. i mean i would say that um, the residents I worked with are, are interested in finding out more. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, you walk around without some sleeves on and people have questions. So you go, okay, well, right. let's talk about let's it. Let's talk. Uh, right. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though. I wonder if so I've sometimes seen the opposite to where I wonder if just like the way that I appear maybe with muscles is intimidating for patients who feel like maybe I can't relate to them. So mm-hmm. if I have a patient who's like very overweight, who's not exercising, yeah. it's you get that kind of like, well, that's easy for you to say, like you're in right. good shape, kind of, you mm-hmm. don't understand what I'm going through, which is yeah. true. Right. Um, but that's something else to kind of be mindful of is like, how do you, how do you show people that it's something that anyone can do? Like you don't have to look like yeah. me to do CrossFit. Yeah. That's, that's certainly a barrier in, 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 in uh, to talking to people talking to people about it luckily i mean so i'm in a in like a orthopedic sports environment so people are a little bit more trying to mm-hmm. like be active and try to you know or have gotten injured doing something active yeah. so it's not as hard as it would be like in a primary care mm-hmm. clinic um but yeah so i you know people will say to me like oh, i can't i can't do that or you know that's for you know uh, like athletic people or whatever right. and i'm like did you get up off a toilet today because mm-hmm. you squatted? <laughs> like, did you put your pants on today? Yeah. Because you, you just did a deadlift, you mm-hmm. know, and sort of like trying to make people see that they're doing these things anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I have even people that I work with in my office who, you know, the, you know, they go, oh, Dr. West, what do you, what do you do for your arms or something like that? <laughs> or what do you do? For, and I go, I haven't used an arm machine in like <laughs> 10, 15 years, but like I, you know, there, it's just a matter of like, I'm doing things, you know, that, that you probably do every day and add some weight to it. And you don't have to start off. Like we can do the same workout. We can work out together. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily be doing the same exact thing, but we'll be doing similar things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I try to, you know, tell them like, you know, try to make them see that like a lot of the stuff that we're doing is like not that crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, it's always, it's always a work in progress. Right. <laughs> and it's nice now that, you know, with, the, I think, the shift that CrossFit is making and putting more out there that is showing people doing this in the home yeah. setting or doing this when they're, you know, older or overweight or whatever it might be. I think there's more for us to use as tools to show patients. Yeah. The, uh, the CrossFit website with the home exercises mm-hmm. and the guy with, like, the 
antifreeze jugs yeah but that stuff actually like speaks to people and speaks to physicians also because other physicians like i'm not going to tell someone to go to a crossfit website and i'm like okay but look at this exercise i'm like oh yeah actually that that's right that's what i would recommend you know so that that's helpful too yeah i've had um doctors like go to the website and be like wow i had no idea this is what crossfit was all about and it's like yeah it's a good it's been a good change i mean it's obviously there's two different, you know, pendulum swings one way, swings right, like the other right, way. Right. There has to be sort of a happy medium, but I think it's been really useful for a lot of those situations. And right. I mean, there's enough out there now. You can find videos of people who are 90 or 100 doing CrossFit. And yeah. those are some of my favorite ones to show people because mm-hmm. um, it's hard to say like, oh, I have to get in shape first before I do it. And it's like, well, look, if, if he can do it, yep. you can do it. <laughs> there's a 90 something year old lady who goes to one of the gyms that I go to. And anytime someone says, well, I can't do that. I'm like, she look at, look at this. <laughs> and I show them, show them her Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they can't say anything after yep. that. So. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to say anything. Yeah. That's good. Um, so one of the things I know we're both sort of involved in CrossFit health and yep. we've been following that movement, mm-hmm. um, for the past couple of years. And, um, you know, there's doctors of all different specialties mm-hmm. in, in the movement. And I think there's different ways that each of us can incorporate CrossFit and in the, in the principles into our practice. But I think one of the interesting angles, especially being in the world of sports medicine mm-hmm. is how, um, I mean, we talked about controversy in terms mm-hmm. of, um, just, you know, introducing it to your colleagues, but there yes. is like on a big level, I mean, there's uh-huh. a huge lawsuit between CrossFit yep. and then a CA, mm-hmm. um, which just had sort of like a big verdict this past week. It did. Um, but you are very involved in both worlds. So yeah. how has, I mean, how do you navigate that and what is your approach Uh, being someone who's you know really practicing in both worlds yeah it is difficult Mm um be i mean for example um when i was interviewing for fellowships you know i people you know i was involved in crossfit at the time and people saw that like on my resume or whatever Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) one of the people that i was interviewing with said this to me and and someone who in i'll say but this person is someone like i highly respect <coughs> and revere as a clinician mm-hmm. um but he said to me he goes well you know that glassman guy's nuts right like all the people involved in that are crazy and i just said okay you're, um <laughs> you know, right, like so, well, you're like i'm trying to get a job uh, yeah <laughs> so you know like sometimes you're in a position where yeah. you're like, totally powerless so you just have to kind of say oh well okay you know interesting uh, that you or, think that yeah <laughs> or like they'd say to me that oh it must keep you in business kind of thing mm-hmm. so part of it is like having an answer prepared for when those situations come up mm-hmm. um and you know so i like last year i spoke at the acsm's conference mm-hmm. um about a totally different subject um but you know, and that conference is like exercises, medicine everywhere. The NSCA has a booth there <laughs> and I have my keep fitness legal shirt on. And I was going to like <laughs> walk by the NSCA booth. I don't, I don't know if they would have necessarily known what it was, but, right. um, but you know, so I, I find myself feeling like really weird about it. Um, and you know, like the exercise medicine campaign, you know, they're primarily funded by Coca-Cola and, you know, and, and I and I say to myself like, do I want Coca Cola making recommendations about exercise, and would I recommend those things? And I, to me, it doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. right? But I do know a lot of people who are involved in the exercise and medicine campaign, like some really brilliant physicians and researchers, and and you know people who are not like taking any checks from Coca Cola. You know, right. these are people who are just trying to do good work, yeah, and you know, and do good work too. But mm-hmm. um, 
you know, but this is sort of the backstory that's a little feels weird to me. And, and that a lot of people probably don't know about or how right. involved it is or how, you know, exercise and medicine sounds like a great concept. Yeah, I love the idea. That's you great. Know? Let's do it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> same with the thing with um, one of the biggest sponsors of the ACSM conference, too, is, is Gatorade. They have mm-hmm. the whole Gatorade Sports Science Institute mm-hmm. and they have like a huge booth there and they're telling people about, you know, how much Gatorade to drink and stuff. And it feels weird to me to have to 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 kind of be in the middle of that mm-hmm. so um you know part of it's having the knowledge to to know kind of know to know the backstory and like i said even you know i've had i've explained this to people who are involved in it mm-hmm. you know and they and they were like oh really i didn't realize that Coca-Cola had a hand in this, you know, yeah. or you know, they don't know necessarily the backstory. So they're right. just out there thinking they're doing, you know, good stuff, which they are, but like they don't realize like kind of who's, who's kind of guiding it from, from, uh, from below the surface there. So it's a little bit of a weird space to exist in. I'll say that because, mm-hmm. you know, you say the wrong thing, you piss off the wrong person. Right. But... You can't please everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's so, for sure. Um, you know, so like, yeah, I am I'm involved in the sports and the academic side of sports medicine for sure. Um, it's just certain things that feel a little weird to me. For sure. And I think a lot of people didn't, I mean, that's one of the things that Greg has been so passionate about is a lot of people didn't know the funding behind a lot of these mm-hmm. things. And he, you know, through his own experience of getting drug into this case with some fraudulent data in a research study, he has been, his mind has been blown by how corrupt a lot of yeah. research is in medicine and a lot of these organizations. And so that's been really one of his drivers is to just expose this and educate people on wh- who you know who's behind some yeah. of these organizations and guidelines and and try to separate the two so that we're yeah. not having conflicts of interest that are yeah. di- not dictating but that are influencing the yeah. medical care I mean, that the we're last giving. the last ddc i went, went to there was uh, i forgot who it was who was speaking but the, you know the amount of money that's being funneled to all of the major medical societies for like every different specialty through mm-hmm. the sugar industry is crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, just making, and and most of the people involved in those organizations do not know that. So, you know, it's like, you could still take the advice if you want to, but just know where it's coming from. It's right. kind of the, you know. Right. Yeah. It's pretty eye opening. Um, so this past week, they basically, I guess the judge made a ruling that, you know, they're trying to end this case and they sanctioned the NSE, I think, with like $4 million mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that. What do you think the impact of that, what do you think is going to be the impact of that on the NSEA sports medicine? Like, do you think that that will in any way help people look a little bit closer at what's going on or I don't know. think differently about crossfit i mean that's like that's a pretty big deal yeah it is kind of a big deal but you know that ruling i mean as far as the legal fees and the, and the money is concerned that's newer but like that finding of fraudulent data being yeah. out there has been in a that that ruling was made a while, while ago right and um have and, you seen that make any impact in the community not really not really i mean as far as like people people don't know about it you know yeah. if you're in our community you know about it but and if you're in their community they just kind right. of put it under the rug kind of so and um, i think people don't you know they hear about things like that or you hear about one study you're like oh it's one study we don't realize like how it is in it's so widespread in research oh, for yeah. there to be you know there's conflicts of interest there's you know fraudulent data there's like data manipulation happening all the time even if it's subtle that's influencing the data that we use to practice medicine and it it, it's kind of scary as a physician because you almost don't know what or who to trust at times oh yeah it's it's hard i mean and and that you know and you if you start talking about this stuff with with people in medical you know world 
they see you as a little bit of like a conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly there's lots of good data out there and like people doing good things, things with yeah. like, with just like a pure heart. Right. Um, so it's not like a, a, you know, we're not condemning all research or anything mm-hmm. like that, but um, yeah, it's hard to know, um, you know, especially when it comes to like nutrition stuff and, you could find studies that support any way you want to eat. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's out really, there. <laughs> um, but what I found, what I found interesting over the past few years is that sort of the, even like ACSM guidelines or, or exercise guidelines are sort of starting to mirror CrossFit principles. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like five, six years late to the party, but mm-hmm. they're started, they're slowly like starting to mirror them a little mm-hmm. bit, which is um, interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah, well, we've been doing that, but right. <laughs> now, now you're recommending it. So right. uh, that's, you know, like, now, you know, like high intensity interval training right. was kind of like the hot topic for a while. And it's like, right. okay, yeah, like, well, that's part of what we do. It has been for a while, but right. people are now sort of seeing like, oh, wow, this is effective and time efficient and it works like, oh yeah. Okay. And functional <laughs> movement. Like who can argue with that? Right. You know? Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, even that, that whole thing is like sort of coming out of the scene now and it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I want to start wrapping up. There's three questions that I usually ask at the end of every podcast. So one is, what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Oh, okay. Well, one, I guess, is the obvious, like Mm crossfitting, right? Um, (laughs) But it has uh, effect. And what does your crossfit look like now? Are you doing classes do you go to a certain number do you work out a certain number of times a week or how do you fit it in with work and everything yeah else? so I mean I I make it a priority to go mm-hmm. so whether I'm going early early in the morning before work or after work it's like it's it's one of the things that I kind of have to do mm-hmm. on a regular basis um, unless you know extenuating circumstances so I try to go you know between like five to seven times a week you mm-hmm. know but I try to I try to do that mm-hmm. um just also it's not just for like my physical health but for like my mental health and my like social interactions and just to kind of be involved in a community of people Mm -hmm. so for me that's very important as far as like Mm -hmm. just sort of getting a a handle on that um so that's obviously the first thing um the second thing i you know i i recently well maybe within the past year i started paying more attention to my nutrition Mm mm-hmm just sort of being mindful of what I'm putting in my body. I was always mindful of it, but like really kind of getting a, a better sense of like macros and, and really looking into that whole thing. So now I've, I've started to, um, you know, I, I just, I'm more aware of, of what I'm putting in my body. So mm-hmm. um, I guess that'd be sort of the second thing is, is making sure I'm, I'm eating well mm-hmm. and, you know, and what does that mean to you in terms of, you said maybe measuring a little bit, but yeah. in terms of food quality or food choices, what does that mean? Eating well? Yeah. So I've been trying to, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot more, like more measuring of things, mm-hmm. um, making sure that I'm getting enough, you know, mm-hmm. protein. I'm not like just mindlessly eating, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, in the office, uh, they have, you know, we'll have someone put something out and then right. like, before you know it, half the thing is gone, you know, right. like, what did I do? Um, <laughs> so, you know, just stuff like that, just, you know, making healthy choices, but not being so restrictive that it kind of impacts everything, but, mm-hmm. um, just making, uh, being just more smart about it. Mm-hmm. So love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's two. Oh, two. The third one, <laughs> the third one is, um, you know, recently, because I, I recently moved and, um, you know, finished training and I've started this job. And, and recently I've just been, like, 
not saying no to things you know like someone invites you somewhere go something interesting is happening like mm-hmm. let's go check it out like you know i'm just trying to stay as involved kind of with all things you know mm-hmm. or like even coming here to do this it's like yeah sure let's do it because you yeah. don't know who you're going to meet you don't know how what kind of situation you're going to be mm-hmm. in that can be um you know just uh, you know meeting new people doing new things mm-hmm. trying stuff out and seeing what happens you know just so i've just i've been doing that more recently which i'm pretty i can be like a pretty like shy person and yeah. just kind of kind of be in the background but i was like you know what something's happening let's do it i'm in you know? yeah <laughs> just be open to what can happen yeah exactly awesome. so and by here you mean so are you living it's in new york now? i'm in new york yeah okay mm-hmm. and we're in cleveland yeah which i'm so excited that all these people came to cleveland <laughs> yeah. where i live never been here before yeah. yeah um but we're here at the winter classic which yeah. this is the third year um that they've hosted this event here and it's been really cool Mm -hmm. to see it grow and really more of a focus on this like health and longevity aspect of crossfit and an opportunity for anyone to come compete and sort of get sort of a mini crossfit games or like what a regionals might have felt like but it's in a very low-key setting fun kind of team environment and so it's grown every year like this year you gave a talk that Mm -hmm. a lot of different um sort of health and wellness and medical focused talks and I'm yeah. I'm hoping that it will grow every year. Yeah. It sounds like um Jason who, you know, runs yeah. this event has some big plans. So Yeah. Should be it should be every year <laughs> getting bigger and better. So yeah. it should be fun. I think so. <laughs> All right. What about one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health but you have a hard time implementing it or you haven't <laughs> started it yet? Sleeping well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I always like say I'm gonna get to bed earlier and earlier yeah. and I just don't because I have a hundred other things to do. So you, you keep know, saying blah, yes blah, to blah, everything. Blah. Exactly. <laughs> it's very true though. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'm just gonna go do this and do that. And the next yeah. thing I know it's you know, it's midnight and I said, What am I doing? You know, so right. like, right. yeah. Oh, so yeah, I definitely like, sleep quality and you know, like shutting like screen time and like mm-hmm. shutting that stuff off, you know, I'm like everyone else kind of addicted to the screens and yep it's an epidemic like yes. everything else yes exactly <laughs> so trying to get trying to get that under control a little bit yeah for sure what does a healthy life look like to you healthy life look like to me um you know moving well eating well and feeling sort of fulfilled mentally you mm-hmm. know um being happy with you know the everyday which mm-hmm. um is can be hard you know mm-hmm. but you know just getting up every day looking forward to what's going to happen like that's like true health yeah and then all the other stuff kind of falls into place after that so true i love it <laughs> awesome yeah. well this has been great thank yeah, you thank so you for, much thanks for having me yeah. yes and hopefully people picked up a few tips about how they can talk to their doctors or their colleagues about crossfit and i think people like you will keep paving the way in sports medicine and i think gonna try (laughs) yeah we're only gonna keep seeing these principles like you said like the principles that greg has been preaching for years are so fundamental that like they're all going to come to the service whether you call them crossfit or you don't but right um it's cool you know i think the most exciting thing is just how widespread it is and how we do have these fifteen thousand affiliates around the world Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing else with that much power to actually really change people's lives and yeah. um, lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, of like that a, magnitude. Yeah, as, you know, as physicians, we can make recommendations for, you know, we, yeah, you should eat better. You should, mm-hmm. um, you know, you should do more exercise. But it's like really, those things aren't effective until they become habits. Right. And the habits are formed in the box. That's mm-hmm. where that's where people are really making these things lifestyle choices mm-hmm. more than just like oh, I'm going to try eating healthy for a week and then they stop you know so right. it's important in sort of continuing our recommendations forward so mm-hmm. awesome yeah well thank you Amy thanks a lot <laughs> 
Hey there. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. It was really great for me to chat with Dr. West about what she does every day. She has a really wonderful vantage point between what's happening in physical medicine and what's happening around the world in CrossFit affiliates every day. Here are some of my biggest takeaways from our conversation. Number one was to focus on the root cause. So I loved the focus of Dr. West's specialty PM&R was on addressing root causes and restoring functional movement. And I think this is such an important perspective to have and one that many medical specialties and treatments lack. So whether it's an ache and pain or a pain that you're feeling in the gym or another symptom, the ultimate goal eventually should always be to try to figure out what is the root cause and how can we address that in order to prevent future complications down the road. I also loved Dr. West's distinction between diseases of fitness and diseases of sickness. So while the data we have now shows that injuries in CrossFit are really no different than injuries in any other similar physical activity, it still is a common point of contention for many people, especially those who don't really understand CrossFit methodology. But if we're talking about overall risk and benefit, I know I would feel much more confident about my overall health by living an active lifestyle, even if there is some risk of injury, or as Dr. West says, a disease of fitness from time to time. Um, And I'd rather take on that risk than live a sedentary lifestyle, which itself has increased risk of metabolic disease, cardiovascular disease, and even joint pains from arthritis that often result from being overweight or lack of using those joints. So it takes us back to CrossFit sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, and that concept that we know that no matter what, life is going to throw us challenges. So whether that's an injury, whether it's getting in a car accident, whether it's having another stressful life event, but if we're already living in fitness, we have that buffer against sickness and we can be much better equipped to bounce back quickly. My third takeaway from this conversation is to always be curious about where the money comes from. So Dr. West talked about informing others in her field at professional society meetings where money was coming from to to support some of the academic conferences such as Gatorade or Coca-Cola and many of them not really knowing about this or really how deeply seated those conflicts of interest were. So it's just a reminder that it's always important to think about who is behind any organization that you are part of and how they may be influencing the information that you take in. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you had some great takeaways yourself. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Mm